Well, welcome everyone to the podcast. We call this From the Preacher's Study. My, my name is Bob Hutto. I'm the preacher here at the Oak Mountain Church of Christ. I'm joined by my colleague, Kevin Clark, uh, and uh, we've been engaged in this study through this podcast for quite some time. The present time, we're studying the book of James. Mm-hmm. So we're in James chapter 1, and we're going to uh, look at another passage in this in this session. We'll go about 15, 20 minutes, something like that. And so uh, you uh, don't invest a long period of time, but maybe we give you some things to think about as you go about your day. And we appreciate you joining us and uh, hope that you benefit from our study together. Uh, I want to express our appreciation to Jason Reed and Mark Townsend. They're two deacons Mm -hmm. here. Uh, They help us with this. They do the technology part of it. They're with us just about every week. One might be absent Mm -hmm. occasionally, but Mm -hmm. most of the time it's both of them together. They're the ones that actually get it out. Uh, Mm -hmm. Kevin and I, we we do the the talking, but they actually get it out to everybody. And so we appreciate their their good work. As we said a moment ago, we're studying from the book of James. We're going to pick up in about verse 13 uh, in this session and I'm not sure how far we'll get, but uh, we'll try not to end in the middle of a paragraph right. or the middle of a thought, right. and I hope everybody will, will think along with us as we look at this passage. Anything by way of introduction, Kevin? Yeah, uh, one of the things I think about is just the amazing reach of this technology. Uh, think about all the people that we can reach with this podcast, and we know we have people not only in Alabama, not only in the rest of the United States, but across the world who tune in. And we appreciate that, but we appreciate the technology that gives us the ability to reach so many different souls. We can do some things now that couldn't be done 100 years before. And of course, with that greater capability comes a greater accountability. And so we certainly want to use that in a wise way. And I also think this is a great book that we're studying. All the books of the Bible obviously are great, but for those of us that may not uh, be the best students in the world, uh, this stuff is very reachable. Very, It's the low-hanging fruit, if you will. We talked about it being the Proverbs in the New Testament. It's very practical. You can get your arms around it very quickly. Uh, this is some of that material that's not so hard to understand. It may be very difficult to apply, uh, but we know the concepts that are being taught. We know uh, how they're supposed to apply. In fact, we'll be talking about some of that in some future podcasts that the question is, are we doing what we know to do? And we really appreciate right. what God has written down for us. Some of the things that James has talked about up to this point in James chapter 1 talks about trial and the right mm-hmm. attitude uh, toward trial. We're all going to go through trial. We're all going to go through hardship. And it's important that we develop the right attitude in order that we might endure it. And so in, in verse 5, he says, if you lack wisdom, uh, let him let, ask of God and he'll, he'll give it to you. And so as we go through hardship, uh, approach that with wisdom, wisdom from God, a godly attitude, a godly perspective, and that'll help us to endure. And so, but asking for women, uh, wisdom is not limited just to times of trial. Mm-hmm, we right, need wisdom right. uh, throughout all of our lives. That's right. He talks about endurance as well, mm-hmm. enduring trial or enduring temptation. Mm-hmm. And uh, down in verse 12, and mm-hmm. if we endure, well, then we'll receive a crown of life. And so I think these ideas kind of flow mm-hmm. into one another. They relate to each other thematically. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to pick up in verse 13 and read a little bit and then make some comments about that. And so verse 13 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. Each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. And so let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, just this passage here about, mm-hmm. about God 
not being tempted himself, not mm-hmm. tempting others, uh, and then uh, how uh, temptation comes upon us and what the effect of that is. I got to wondering about how, how or why would someone attribute temptation or attribute evil to God? Mm-hmm. Now, that seems so foreign to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just uh, totally against what, what I've learned about God. And James it reinforces that. Don't think that mm-hmm. God tempts people with evil. How might how might people attribute evil to God or temptation to God? Got any idea, Kevin? Well, one of the things I think we hear sometimes is people say when people have done some things that are wrong or inappropriate or involved in a lifestyle they shouldn't be involved in, they'll say, well, God made me this way. This is the way that I've been made. My creator created me this way. If he didn't want me to be this way, he would have made me a different way. So if you have problems with anger, we know that some people are more prone to that than others. Or you have problems with lust or problems with uh, controlling aspects of uh, your thoughts and things of that nature. There's a temptation to say, well, you know, God just made me that way. He gave me that personality. That personality is prone to anger and so you kind of blame the maker for something that really God says is your own fault. Or sometimes it could be circumstances. Maybe you're placed in certain circumstances in life. You didn't ask to be born to a certain family in a certain state in a certain place. And again, blame God because of the difficulties you're involved in and some of the things that you yourself involve yourself in because of those difficult circumstances. But in all that, God says, you are the one to blame, not me. And so he brings that out very clearly in verse 14. Each one is tempted when he's carried away and enticed by his own lust. Exactly. And so when you get into these kind of difficult circumstances and you get involved in sin, it's not not God's fault. You can't attribute that to God. We are responsible for our own actions and for controlling our thoughts that lead to those actions. Right. You know, one, one, one thing that I thought of in thinking about this passage is that, you know, there are people who believe and teach that God so controls everything right, that he right. has predetermined everyone's mm-hmm. actions, mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's decisions, mm-hmm. everyone's behavior. And so God has already predetermined everything that's going to happen. Now, if that's true, well, then God has... God has predetermined that people will sin. Yeah, and, do evil. and that makes God responsible for their right, sin and right, their right. and their evil. Right. And people can kind of engage in logical gymnastics yes. and contortions right. to try to get around that. But it seems very clear to me that if God has predetermined everything right. that takes place, right. well, then he, he is responsible for the yeah. evil, and which is directly contrary to this Absolutely. passage. Absolutely. You know, God is not tempted by evil. He doesn't tempt anyone. He's not responsible for our behavior. We are responsible when we're drawn away by our own lust and enticed. And so the scriptures teach us that uh, God is completely holy Uh and that God is righteous, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. You remember the vision in in Isaiah chapter six, Mm -hmm. uh, where the uh, the seraphim are are calling out holy, holy, Mm -hmm. holy Mm -hmm. to God. And so that thrice repeated, statement, God is holy, holy, holy. He's holy in the highest degree. And so God is not tainted by sin. He's not tempted to sin. He doesn't tempt people to sin, but each one is responsible for his own sin, his his own behavior. Let's think a little bit about um, the the difference between God tempting people to sin, which he Mm -hmm. doesn't do, and Mm -hmm. God testing people. Because we do read in the Bible about God testing we people, do, we do. but he, he doesn't tempt people to evil. Right. So I thought about that. Let me try this out on you and sure. see what you mm-hmm. think. Now, now Satan 
tempts people to do evil. He's called the tempter, in fact. And so he tempts people to do evil. And so you think about Satan putting this temptation out before a person. Mm -hmm. He wants that person to fail. That's right. He's trying to draw him. uh, And by that temptation, he wants him to yield to the temptation. Mm -hmm. And so... And so Satan wants him to to fail. Now, God is also present on the occasion, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he's providing a way of escape. And he wants that individual at that moment to succeed. He wants him to take that way of escape and resist. But God is not responsible for the temptation. That comes to Satan, and Satan tempts people with evil. So he's tempting people to to kill, to steal, Mm -hmm. to commit adultery, and so forth. And so Satan is tempting people with evil. Mm -hmm. He hopes that they fail. Mm -hmm. But God is present, and he's providing a way of escape. On the other hand, what God does is he can test people's faith. Mm -hmm. And he might put them in a situation that's hard, that's difficult, that is a test. Now, it's not morally evil. It might be a, a sickness or an injury or a financial situation. It's not evil. But it is, it is a test, right. and he wants people to succeed in the test. Right. He wants them to pass the test. Now, Satan's present, mm-hmm. That's right. and he's trying to get people to compromise their faith and draw them away from God. Right. And so God is testing the person, hoping that they'll pass, which is different from Satan mm-hmm. tempting people mm-hmm. with evil, mm-hmm. hoping that they'll fail. I think that makes and sense. And so God can test us, mm-hmm. test our faith, hoping that we'll pass it's not the same thing as Satan tempting us to do evil. You know, one example I think of that is uh, Matthew chapter 4, uh, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And so we see right there that God intended for Jesus to go into the wilderness. And it was going to be a period of test. But the scriptures are very clear about who is the source of the temptation. It's not God to be tempted right. by the devil. It was the devil who presented on three different occasions temptations. So again, God put him in a position to see how the Son of God is going to do in this. He did a wonderful job, but the temptations did not come from God. They came from the devil, and the devil's accountable for the temptations he gave. Right. In either case, whether a Satan is tempting us to do evil or mm-hmm. God is testing our faith in some way, uh, our, our responsibility mm-hmm. is to endure. That's our right. responsibility is to be faithful. And we can. That's whether it's right. a temptation yeah. to do evil or a, simply a test of faith. That's right. Our responsibility, and from our point of view, what we want to do is make sure that we, we resist the temptation, we stand fast, we're faithful in all, in all circumstances. But think about this, too. One of the pro- well, a couple of problems with this person, the attitude that's being talked about. First of all, you're slandering God. Right. Because you're accusing a holy God of something yep. he's not even capable of doing. But you also are deflecting blame away from yourself, right? So how in the world can I be the kind of person I'm supposed to be, be holy, walk in the footsteps of God, if I'm always saying, it's other people. I'm pointing fingers at God. He's the one. No, point the fingers at yourself, and then you can start to understand, okay, I sin when my desires get out of control. So guess what? I need to start thinking about how do I control these desires? We we have desires for food and for drink. How do I keep that under control? We have desires, the sexual desire. How do I keep that under control? Uh, a desire to talk and, and communicate. How do I keep that under control? All of these things can be kept under control if you understand you're responsible for that. But if I'm deflecting it to God, guess what? I'm not trying to control those things. Right. You know, we talked about in the very beginning of our discussion this time how practical the book of James yes. is. Okay, yes. here it is. This is a practical uh, s- section here. Don't 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 blame God for your weakness or don't blame God for your temptation. Mm-hmm. God does God is not going to tempt you. You take care of your own house. Mm-hmm. 
when, uh, verse 14, each one is tempted when he's carried away by his own lust and mm-hmm. enticed. Mm-hmm. And then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin was accomplished, it brings forth death. And so you have a series of events That's right. that begins with your own lust That's or your exactly own right. desire. And, and, and being enticed, being lured by the devil, it's kind of like a guy that's out there fishing and he throws that fishing lure and the fish sees that and he's, he's drawn to it and he bites, he takes the bait. That's exactly what Satan is doing. Mm-hmm. He casts the lure out there, we see it, we're drawn to it, we take the bait and then he reels us in. Mm-hmm. So we have to be wise enough, getting back to the idea of wisdom, wise enough to see that for what it is and resist. Amen. I was thinking about uh, really what we're talking about in a lot of ways is self-control, right? Yeah. And that concept is taught throughout the scriptures. If you want to live a Christian life, that is a self-controlled life. One of the examples I love to to reference is Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is what? Temperate, self-controlled in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but here's the key. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Why? Lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. He says, look, I have to discipline, control these desires. He said, you know, if I don't, here I am a preacher of the gospel and I preach salvation to so many souls and I could lose my own soul. Why? Because I'm not controlling myself. Right. And so self-control is a part of this walk with God that we want to be a part of. So if we if we have trouble with, with a sin or a temptation and it sort of torments us uh, repeatedly, day to day, week to week, uh, something like that, Figure out some motive, some way, some motivation, some strategy or tactic that mm-hmm. you can use mm-hmm. to persuade yourself to turn away yeah, from that. That's right. And so, you know, what, what, whatever that might be, and it might be different from uh, individual to individual, right. but if we want to please God, that's that's a primary motivation. Right, that's right. And then maybe find that practical way, that right. practical way right. that will help us to overcome that temptation. Right. And so, uh, that again... Just super practical teaching. Amen. Well, if God doesn't, if God doesn't uh, tempt people, well, He doesn't. He, he does, He's not responsible for that. What does He do? Well, we mm-hmm. see that in verse seventeen. Mm-hmm. Don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. And so God doesn't give you temptation, right. but He does. He, what He yeah. gives you is a good thing. That's he doesn't right. give you evil. Uh-huh. He gives you good things. That's and right. so uh, let's think about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. If we think about it maybe in within the, this stream of ideas here in James chapter 1, mm-hmm. you're facing trial. Uh, what do you need to, to endure the trial? You need wisdom. Okay, right. yeah. that can He'll come from God. That, yeah. God can give you good right. things. God give, can give you that wisdom right. that you need right. uh, to overcome. And so let's think about the good things that God gives us, mm-hmm. and especially in, in light of this, the good things He gives us that motivate us or that equip us to overcome mm-hmm. temptation. Well, James James isn't limited to just that. Every good and every mm-hmm. perfect gift comes down from God, and He's faithful and He's consistent. Uh, that's the idea. Uh, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Just like your shadow changes throughout the day, uh, God God doesn't change like that. He's steady. Exactly. He's consistent. He's faithful. He's not going to give good gifts one day and withhold them the next right. day. 
he's going to be consistent in that. What mm-hmm. do you got? Well, I was just thinking about, you know, Apostle Paul made that point in Acts chapter 14 in Lystra mm-hmm. uh, after he had healed uh, the lame man. He said this about God. He says, men, why are you doing these things? You know, they were treating Barnabas and Paul as if they were gods. He said, we also are men with the same nature as you and preach you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all the things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good, gave us mm-hmm. rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they scarcely, could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sacrificing them. So Paul says, God is responsible for a lot of good. He's done a lot right. of good things. Right. Rain is good. And the fertility of the earth, once it's been moisturized, and the seasons and the food that we eat, all of these things are just a, really a, a little bit of the many good things God has right. done for us. So the world that God has, has created for us mm-hmm. It's good. You see that in Genesis Absolutely. chapter one. Yeah. He saw the things that he made, and it was very, it was good, and eventually very good. Right. And so we live in a good world. That's part of what God has given to us. Right. Um, Proverbs eighteen verse twenty two: uh, The man that finds a wife, he finds it's a, a good, good thing. thing. There you go. And so you got there a good go. wife. Thank God Amen. for it. That's Amen. God's gift. That's, that's God's right. gift to you. Right. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Psalm, Psalm one twenty seven and verse yeah. three. And so just think about your life uh-huh. and all the good things in it, the world in which we live, the provisions that God has given us, your, your family, right. your brethren, right. uh, all those all those good things that you have, those are the things that came from God. Mm-hmm. And so God doesn't, he's not responsible for evil or the evil in your life. You need to look in the mirror for that. Yeah. God is, is on your side. He's providing you with good things. He's faithful to you. He wants you to succeed spiritually. He's out there enabling and empowering you to overcome temptation. Right. And so he's responsible for the good that's in your life. You know, I was thinking when you said that, you know, we talked earlier about motivations we can have to con- keep those desires under control. And one of those motivations is teed on what you just said is, is thankfulness uh, for all the things that God has done. We know in Romans chapter one, when Paul describes just the parade of horribles of all the evil things men can get involved in. And he says it really starts a very simple place. He said, they did not glorify him, talking about God, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. And that's the fundamental root of sin. When you're not thankful Mm -hmm. to God and you don't glorify him for what he is, then you begin to do all kinds of things that are contrary to his will. So maybe thinking about the things that God has done for us will create in us a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving that motivates us to be better in control those desires and not being enticed right. to sin. So let's think about ourselves in light of this passage. Let's be careful about what we attribute to God. Yeah, yes. Be right. sure that we're not attributing to Him things that are just inappropriate. Right. Understand that He's giving us good things. That's right. Build on those good things. Use them uh, to our benefit and to our prosperity, spiritually speaking. Right. All right, our, our time's uh, gotten away from it us. Has, we'll stop right there. Right. Hope we've had some things to say that are helpful to us and beneficial to us. We hope that you'll join us next time. We'll pick up in about verse 19 and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll proceed. Amen. Uh, as we always do, we're going to close with a word of prayer. So, right. Brother Kevin, would you lead us? Sure. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we are very thankful that you've seen fit to yet again give us the gift of life. And it is just that, just the opportunity to be alive and well and experience everything it means to experience of your creation as a human being. We thank you for that. Thank you for the food that you provide us with, the clothing, the shelter, all the many blessings you've showered us with. We've just begun talking about many of the great things that you have done over the years for mankind and including us. 
And we're so very thankful for our families. We're so very thankful for those of us who are married, married for our spouses. Uh, we're thankful for the parents we had, the raising that we had. We're thankful for the standard of living that we enjoy, the physical possessions we have, uh, the spare time we have, uh, the, the system of laws that we live under that provide a certain amount of certainty and predictability uh, in our lives. Just so, so many things. The old song, Count Your Many Blessing, comes to mind. And we're so very thankful that you have blessed us uh, so much. But uh, more so than those things, as precious as they are to us in our existence here, more precious is the gift of your son and all the spiritual blessings that we've been endowed with by virtue of his sacrifice and us taking advantage of that sacrifice by obeying the gospel. So very thankful for that greatest gift of all time, the gift of your son on the cross, and what that means for us to be redeemed, to be reconciled with you from our path of sin. And uh, what a wonderful thing that is. And let us always remember that you're the giver of every good gift. Uh, you're the giver of all the things we've ever enjoyed in life, all the things that brought joy to our lives, happiness. All that ultimately comes for your hand. And let us be mindful of that, attribute it to the right source. And at the same time, as we studied in this podcast, let's be careful not to lay blame at your feet for things that we will responsible for. Uh, we know that you don't tempt anyone and that you're not tempted by evil. And we know that when we sin, we have one person to blame, and that is ourselves. We're capable of controlling our desires. We're capable of harnessing those under uh, your jurisdiction, making sure that we're doing things in accordance with thy will. But uh, when we fail, we've got to take ownership of that failure and ownership of our shortcoming. And as uh, our brother Bob has said, to examine ourselves and to figure out how can we avoid that trap again? How can we uh, be stronger, be wiser? Certainly we can ask for wisdom, how we order our steps, not to walk into the lion's den, and, uh, be more circumspect in how we uh, walk and make decisions. Many times we will put ourselves in harm's way by poor judgment and poor decision-making. Please help us to, to be wiser in how we conduct ourselves, not to put ourselves in situations uh, that are difficult to overcome. And even when we do find ourselves in those situations, let us, taking advantage of another promise of yours in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13, let us look for that way of escape that you've promised for every temptation that comes our way. But we're so very thankful that you do see fit to equip us with what we need to serve you. We can be faithful. We can be holy as you are holy. Uh, and let us do a better job of accounting, uh, holding ourselves accountable for a higher standard of living, a closer uh, barometer or closer level of holiness to you and to yours that we see revealed in the divine pages of inspiration. We ask you to continue to be with us in our lives, guide, guard, and direct us, protect us from the tempter, protect us from the evil one. Do not lead us astray or into the way of temptation. And uh, please help us to, to do our part, to be faithful, uh, to build up our faith, knowing that our faith is a shield against the temptations of the flesh. Uh, spend more time in the Word, meditating upon it, studying it, reading it, understanding it, sharing with other people, and just being generally busy about your will. The, the, the old saying that the, uh, the, devil, the idle mind is the devil's workshop is so true. If we're not filling our lives through of activity, and there's so much activity that we're responsible for uh, in this life, uh, then we are opening the door for Satan to come in and, and to have a field day with us. So let us be more prolific, more productive, more fruitful in your kingdom, uh, planting the seed, sharing the gospel, strengthening the souls of the disciples, and, and, and modeling the principles of your Son uh, in our everyday lives. We ask you to continue to be with us in this endeavor. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.